this afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we have that confessed in Lord's Day 44. Lord's Day 44 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 558. And there we confess the word of God as follows. What does the 10th commandment require of us? That not even the slightest thought or desire contrary to any of God's commandments should ever arise in our heart. Rather, with all our heart, we should always hate all sin and delight in all righteousness. But can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? No. In this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of disobedience. Nevertheless, with earnest purpose, they do begin to live not only according to some, but to all the commandments of God. If in this life no one can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God have them preached so strictly? First, so that throughout our life we, become, we may more and more become aware of our sinful nature and therefore seek more eagerly the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. Second, so that while praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, we may never stop striving to be renewed more and more after God's image until after this life we reach the goal of perfection so far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to him. Over the past weeks then, you've listened to an explanation of each one of uh, the God's commandments here, the commandments of God's law. And so now the question posed by Lord's Day 44 is, why, why do we need to hear the law every Sunday? Why do we have to hear it preached year after year, go through the law every time again? We belong to the Savior Jesus Christ, don't we? Shouldn't we simply concentrate on the gospel, on the grace and love of God in Christ? Our, our sins are forgiven in Christ, aren't they? Why do we still need to be confronted by this law? It seems so negative, so depressing to hear those you shall and you shall not every time. Well, the Lord God has a very positive purpose with the law. And you realize that, you know, we just sang Psalm 119. In that Psalm, King David, inspired by the Spirit, expresses love and delight for God's commandments and ordinances. And, and he does so because the law has a very positive purpose in the very positive role in the lives of God's people, not only in the old covenant, but just as much more and maybe even more yet in the new covenant in Christ. So we need to give God's law an honored place in our lives and in the church, in fact, the gospel of God's work in Jesus Christ is actually empty without the law, without the preaching of the law. And that brings us to the theme for the sermon this afternoon. The law serves the gospel. The law serves the gospel. And we'll pay three, attention to three things in connection with that. The law brings us to fight. The law brings us to grow and the law 
brings us to prayer. First of all, the law brings us to fight. Congregation, I, I once read a story about some young Canadian soldiers in the trenches in the First World War. They were fresh soldiers stationed at a quiet area at the front and they spent their days playing cards and taking it easy, sleeping, taking naps and so on. Except for one veteran of other battles, they figured they were, they were pretty safe where they were and secure. But the old veteran, he knew, he knew that the enemy was dangerously quiet. So he continually kept watch while the others were lulled into a sense of security in the trench there. And early one morning, the veteran looked out over the no man's land and he saw helmets bobbing this way, creeping under the barbed wire towards him. And he shouted a warning which woke up his fellow soldiers and they took up their weapons and fought like mad for their lives and their king and their country. And if that old veteran hadn't shouted a warning about the reality of danger, they would have been killed or captured. God's law is like the warning shout of the old veteran who knew what the enemy could do. His shout shook the soldiers, the young soldiers awake, to their, brought them to their senses. And that's how the law is. It brings kingdom people to realize the reality of their situation. It confronts us with the difference between good and evil, between righteousness and unrighteousness. And then God's law is like a mirror showing us the truth about ourselves and the reality of who we, what kind of people we are. And then you realize it unmasks us as sinners. And that's shocking to people who like to think well of themselves, of course. But it's a healthy shock to be confronted with that reality because it wakes us up out of the sleep which leads to death. It's the kind of shock that causes a soldier to wake up, see the enemy coming, take up his weapons and fight for his life and for his king. And see, the preaching of the law and the hearing of the law is like that. It wakes you up so you see reality again week after week, Sunday after Sunday. If the sharpness of the law too, if that sharpness isn't preached anymore, we are going to lose sight of our real misery and where that is going to lead us. We don't realize the awful danger we're in of ourselves. Uh, we're told often enough in church that we're all sinners. And, but if that only remains a, a, a something that we hear once in a while, congregation, it remains, a, it becomes a generality for us. It doesn't wake us up anymore. We just concede, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm weak, I fall short, shrug our shoulders and, and yeah. We, we shut our shoulders at our own sins, things that aren't right in our lives. We just accept our errors then and our weaknesses and we don't fight 
them anymore. Our lives lose the tension that should be there. You don't fight anymore and eventually you don't even see your own sins anymore. Everything becomes superficial. And the next thing is that you're, you're lulled to sleep. I'm not perfect, but I'm not bad compared to some others. I feel like I'm in a pretty good place. God should be happy with me. And with that kind of attitude, you actually don't need Christ very much anymore. And then your joy in Christ also fades away. And your prayer loses its depth and its warmth. And your desire to grow in holiness in Christ fades away. You actually have made God in your image eventually then. You made him fit what you want him to be and what you want, what you want him to want you to be you end up spiritually asleep. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, this is exactly why we need the sharp preaching of the law, why we have to be confronted with the mirror of God's commandments. Why does God want the commandments preached to us, and even strictly, as we confess here? Because we have to be shaken awake, made to see our sins and sinfulness again, every time, so that we take up the fight against the devil and our sinful nature again. The hearing of the law is, we could say, a call to the front lines, a call to arms for your king. That's why we need to hear the law every Sunday again and why it has to be preached to us every year again, sharply even. And you see that in the explanation of the 10th commandment here in this Lord's Day. You shall not covet. Coveting is something that doesn't necessarily show in outward action. Like keeping the Sabbath day or murder or stealing. Coveting is something that can stay inside. Hidden. Something that you only do in your heart. The 10th commandment particularly shows that in his law, God wants our hearts wants to possess even our thoughts and our desires. And so God reaches deep into our existence with his law. And that's pretty disconcerting, isn't it? You shall not covet. Because we all know how many thoughts and desires, still wrong thoughts and desires, still live in our hearts. The advertising world knows those thoughts and desires too and stimulates them so we're attracted to certain products or places or political parties via Facebook or so. Well, the Lord God lays his hand on that vessel of your heart full of unrest and contradiction and impurity and envy, which is our inner being. And he holds up before that heart the mirror of the 10th commandment. And he says to us, I want you to hate all sin with all your heart and love only all righteousness. And that's pretty confrontational when it comes down to it for the heart. Hard for the heart to take. 
Because what's left inside here when God lets the light of his law, and in particular the last commandment, shine in all the corners of your heart and your life, there's actually nothing left, is there? See, God's law is so sharp in itself. The preaching of his law is so revealing. Thinking about and discussing God's law is so confrontational. At least if you do that seriously, if you do it honestly. Because it'll shock you. But again, healthy shock. Like it wakes you up, puts you to work. It's like a goad. Hey, they used to use goads for oxen, keep them moving. A goad which makes you jump up, join the battle again. And you see again what's wrong and what's good. You discover again that everything isn't gray, but there's also a, a black and a white part of it. You realize again how big the gap is between what God requires and the reality of your heart and your life. You get involved again in that war between the good you desire and the evil that you do. That battle that the Apostle Paul writes about in Romans 7, that struggle. The fight against sin congregation is a fight for your life. The fight through the spirit to become what you already are in Christ. Holy and righteous before God. So the law serves the gospel. When the preaching of the law goes downhill. Your life won't go where the Lord wants it to go. Where he wants to lead it. If the law isn't preached sharply. You won't get to the destination God has set for you. You won't get to where you need to go unless you're called to that fight every day again. The second part of the sermon is that the law brings us to grow. So brings us to fight, also brings us to grow. Imagine a painter painting a portrait of someone. He paints... And the person is sitting there, so he is painting, but he keeps looking at the person as he's painting. He looks carefully so that it becomes an accurate portrait of that person. So every time he looks again and he looks again, a bit more shadow there, a bit more color there. And the painting becomes more and more like the person being painted. If the painter didn't keep looking at his subject, he'd have to paint from memory, and then the portrait wouldn't end up very accurate. Well, God gave his law so that we keep looking and correcting in order to reach the goal. The law presents the perfect man as God wants him or her to live. That doesn't mean that everyone looks the same. There's still a lot of variety. But the law portrays the perfect man living in perfect love for God and for his neighbor. The law, in fact, characterizes Jesus Christ. And if we keep looking at that law every time, like a painter as he's making a portrait, we keep looking at it every time, we can more and more accurately correct our life to be Christ-like, shaped in his image, more and more perfect, in other words. 
So the law does more than just shock us awake so that we see our sins and take up the fight against them again. The law is also a means by which the Lord works at our growth in holiness. In holiness in our walk and our talk. Because the law points out for us the direction in which we need to grow. God's commandments are the standard for life itself. Full life. His decrees map out the way to, to, for us to become more and more holy, sanctified. By means of the law, then God works at our sanctification, our growth in the renewal of our lives. It keeps a, a Christian active in life, seeking to live out of the spirit. You look at the law every time. Oh, that's how I need to be. This is how I become Christ-like. This is how I become the image of Christ. So keeping, keep looking at the profile. Keep looking at what, what Christ looks like. Who is fully obedient to the will of his Father. And then you keep the goal of your life in focus too. Because we live at a time between Christ's victory on the cross and his return to bring the perfect peace of God's kingdom, to use World War II terminology. We live in the time between D-Day and Victory Day. After the D-Day invasion more than 70 years ago, June the 6th, there was a lot of fighting still to do before it came to victory and peace. Well, we live in the time between Jesus' cross and the final peace of God's kingdom. The devil and the powers of darkness are very active yet, even if they know that their time is limited. People who of themselves are weak and still have to deal with the attacks of the evil one have to learn time and again how to live holy lives, how to live in love, how to make ready for the total victory over the devil and sin which is on the way. That's also why God has given us his law. It teaches us how to begin to live as free and perfect people again. How to make ourselves ready for that glorious peace of God that's on the way. How to make yourself ready for V-Day, Victory Day. And that's how there continues to be progress in our lives toward that V-Day too. That's how every Christian continues to develop. You won't stay stuck with bad habits in your life, but you can keep growing. The law seeks out, says, yes, this is what you need to correct. This is what you need to change. And the law keeps that growth going then. We won't stay stuck with our bad habits, our sins. We fail and we fall, but every time again, we can return to the kingdom of life again. And that's a long process. People damaged and stunted by sin like us don't easily grow toward perfection, toward the goal of perfection. The law outlines God's will for us, what God wants to make of every Christian in the future too. So it keeps alive in us the desire for perfection and it motivates us to grow towards that perfection. And oh, congregation, we have a long way to go in order to achieve that perfection, don't we?
every single one of us. Lord's Day 44 speaks of a small beginning of new obedience. And even the holiest of people, like the apostles and the martyrs and the people who live closest to the Lord, a small beginning of perfection of what God wants to make of us. Also in the Apostle Paul when he wrote Romans 7. But that it's just a small beginning shouldn't discourage us because we think, well, it's no use anyway. We'll never become what God wants us to become here anyway. No, the fact that Lord's Day 44 speaks from the Bible about that small beginning is a very positive thing. At least that beginning of living according to God's will is there. There is a seed, a tiny little seed, and there's potential for growth. We can make a beginning of new life here on earth now. It's possible. The small beginning has the potential to become more, a lot more, like a small green leaf coming above the ground in your garden. That leaf has the potential to become a big plant. Congregation, we seek to find our way here on earth at this time as God's people in Christ. And it's a learning process, a learning process, a growing process for each and every one of us. A process which involves a lot of falling and getting up again too. But the law spurs us on so we grow in holiness according to the good and holy will of God. And then not with just with blind obedience either, but with heartfelt obedience. You love that law because it's the law of your God and Father in Jesus Christ. He shows the good way. He shows you what he wants to make of you in Christ. David already sang about that, Psalm 119. And he helps you to grow up to that, to maturity in Christ. And that's the goal of the Holy Spirit then too, that you reach that perfection. And that, that's not an easy process of growth. We'll never totally get rid of our sinful nature in this life. But we can grow more and more in knowledge, in motivation, in living a new life. And so again, we see that the law serves the gospel. For your life keeps moving in the direction of the image of Christ, that perfection of Christ. Slowly, you don't see big things, but slowly you realize, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I hate that. You let it go. I want to be like this, little bit by little bit. You're not stuck, and you shouldn't get stuck. There's hope and glorious future for Christians, even as we struggle with our sins. We can move forward toward that future through the preaching of the law. It's instrument of the Holy Spirit to keep us growing towards perfection, the perfection we'll enjoy with our Savior after this life. We come to the third part of the sermon. The law brings us to prayer. What place does God's law have in his relationship with us? 
why does he want to keep, uh, make us keep hearing the law? We saw that the law is a warning shout to shock us awake so that what we are like in ourselves, we see what, we see, what we're like in ourselves and we keep fighting, fighting against sins and weaknesses. And we've seen that the law motivates us to grow toward the perfection Christ has obtained for us. But if you think you need to do all that, that fighting and growing by yourself, the law is going to be a dead end for you. And that's always a danger, isn't it? That we think that we need to do our best to live as God wants us to so that we can earn his love. Almost kind of save ourselves, but not quite. That's a totally wrong order of things, congregation. First, do what God wants and then he'll love you. No, God loved you first already in Christ. And living according to his will is a matter of him and me together. He holds me up, I take steps. I fall, he lifts me up. I go in the wrong direction, he steers me back this way again. I make every effort, he gives me the strength. He and I together. How does that happen? It's through prayer. God's law teaches you to get on your knees to pray. The law lights the candle of prayer in your heart, someone has said. So the law leads to prayer. It's wonderful how Lord's Day 44 steps over from explaining God's law to prayer, which is the last part of the catechism, Lord's Day 45 and afterwards. Thinking seriously about God's law and its purposes and engaging in that will inevitably lead you to prayer. Actually, I could say that the law of God lights two candles of prayer in us, according to Lord's Day 44. The first candle is the desire to seek the forgiveness of sins and being made right with God, which can only come through Jesus Christ. The law continually pushes us to Christ, like waves keep pushing the water toward the shore. So the commandments keep pushing us towards Jesus Christ. Because we realize time and again that we fall far short of living a life according to God's will. We have to confess again and again as God's people already that we have been defeated in the battle against sin again today. But then again, the law pushes us to Christ. There is forgiveness in him and him alone. You belong to him. Go to him. Every time again. Every day again. See, congregation, Christ has paid for all our sins and has promised that forgiveness of sins belongs to us. He continually shares that forgiveness with ever, whoever flees to him, with any, everyone who confesses him as their only salvation and hope. And so the law of God brings us to reach out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the more you listen to that law of God, the more you want to go to Christ and to receive the righteousness and satisfaction that He has promised you. You see then that the law, if you listen to it rightly, isn't going to make you down or depressed because you can't just do it all right. No, the law brings you to realize you need Christ and you need what He has done. And that brings you to your knees before him again. Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't do without you. And the more we listen to the law, the more intense our prayers become for his forgiveness. Faith becomes deeper and deeper. And Christ receives more and more room in our lives. That's the first candle a prayer lit by the law of God in our hearts. And the second candle mentioned in Lord's Day 44 is the constant prayer for the Holy Spirit's work. The law isn't given to us to make us into tireless activists or restless legalists who think they need to make themselves holy by their own strength. No, the strict preaching of the law brings us to understand we can't do it ourselves. And we need the Holy Spirit to bring us further toward holiness. He incites and encourages Christians in their service of God. He makes humble and obedient. He gives insight into God's will. He's ultimately the one who writes the law in our hearts. As Paul says, and he makes doing God's commandments a delight for us more and more. The Holy Spirit has to do that. He's the one who leads us, prods us, urges us on toward perfection. That perfection won't come in this life. We should say that again. But at our baptism, the Spirit was promised to us. And he promised to present us among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. And that's what he wants to work toward, the Holy Spirit does. But we need to seek him, his working, as long as we beseech him to work in us too. As long as we ourselves work too, and especially pray for the help of the Spirit to make progress in that direction. So then the law brings people to pray ceaselessly for the work of the Spirit in their hearts and lives. Holy Spirit, please renew me. Please make me more Christ-like. And the Spirit always hears that prayer. And he takes it on himself to lead our lives toward the ultimate goal farther and farther to be with Christ and his elect in his kingdom of peace. So you see, congregation, the gospel doesn't go without the law. Can't do without the law. The law of God occupies a central place in the covenant relationship God has established with us in Christ. By means of the law, the spirit wakes us up to our real condition at the same time, gives us direction to grow. And finally, by the law, he also works in us the hope we have in Christ. 
that we will be perfect like him one day. So give the law a good place in your life, brothers and sisters. Let the law you hear every Sunday again help you to keep fighting, to keep growing, and to keep praying. Then you'll more and more be sure and joyful about the place the Lord Jesus has prepared for you in his Father's house. Amen.